Welcome to the Rural Realities Podcast, presented by the Department of Agriculture, Trade, and Consumer Protection. I'm Karen Endress, Farmer Wellness Program Coordinator for the Wisconsin Farm Center at the Department of Agriculture, Trade, and Consumer Protection. Not every issue about farmer mental health is so easy to discuss. National Suicide Prevention Week is in September, and it is important to bring awareness to this topic. Over the last decade, farmers and farm families have experienced increasing pressures, resulting in high stress, mental health, and even suicide. Today, I have with me Sarah Kolbeck to talk about suicide and farming. Farmers have a higher rate of suicide than other occupations, and I look forward to my discussion with Sarah to gain a greater understanding about this. Sarah, can you start us off by sharing a little bit about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. And I just want to start out by saying how much I appreciate being invited to participate in this podcast. Um, So my name is Sarah Kolbeck. My background is actually in public health. I have a master's in public health, and I'm currently working on a PhD in public and community health. So I come to this issue of suicide from a little bit of a different lens than somebody that works maybe in, in behavioral health or other areas. I have been working at the Medical College of Wisconsin now for about seven and a half years, and I currently direct our Division of Suicide Prevention at the Medical College of Wisconsin. And really, my work at MCW has always revolved around suicide prevention. Um, I have a personal connection to suicide prevention as somebody with lived experience of mental health issues. And the issue of farmer suicide is also quite personal to me. Um, I am the granddaughter of a Wisconsin dairy farmer. Uh, my grandparents had a farm in Manitowoc County many years ago, and so I, I feel a very close personal connection to this work, and I'm just excited that you all are bringing attention to this topic. That is great. We are so happy to have you to talk about suicide prevention and why farmers. So let's just get started. I saw an article that you were in that had some background on this topic. It was in the Journal of Rural Health, and you were talking about suicide and and its connection to the occupation of farming. And I was surprised to learn that suicide is actually the 10th leading cause of death overall and the second leading cause of death in individuals 10 to 34 years of age. And I was also surprised that more studies have been done in other countries than in the United States. And that in other countries, they have found higher rates of suicide in farmers than than other types of occupations. So I'm just curious, why do you think this is and what is the research showing? Yeah, that's a great question. And I, I think I want to start off just by saying that suicide as, as a public health issue is complex, that there's typically not one issue or stressor that um, leads to a death by suicide. Um, You know, there are often many factors that are, you know, sometimes biological or psychological or social in nature that come together in a person's life. And then there's a really kind of acute stressor or even a chronic stressor that, you know, kind of lingers over a long period of time. And the person reaches a point where they're really no longer able to kind of bear Um, the pain that they're in, whether that pain is physical pain, emotional pain, both sometimes, um, they've kind of reached a critical uh, point. 
um, when, um, you know, sometimes there's, um, you know, a sense of there not being any other way out of the situation. And that's certainly something that has been noted in the literature worldwide related to farmer suicide. And you're right, there are some really great studies from other countries, including Australia and India, Great Britain and Canada, that look at a number of issues related to farmer suicide. And and some of those issues include things like policy level issues related to pricing and things like that, lack of access to services. Um, Many articles have noted stress from physical health issues. We know that farmers can be folks that are really kind of self-reliant, self-sufficient. And when there's a physical health issue that precludes a person from really being able to take care of others, take care of themselves, that's a big stressor. We also know that farming is a stressful lifestyle. You know, it's not a nine to five job. It's a 24-7, 365 lifestyle. And that brings with it um, its own kind of unique stressors. And so other countries around the world, like I said, have done a really great job of describing this. And I feel like in the United States, the research literature is sort of coming around to uh, more of an understanding of what's happening among farmers here in our nation. Interesting. And you're right. Farmers do have a very unique culture and we don't even know it because so many of us are born into the culture that you don't know it's different or unique. Farmers listening out there might say that's not normal for people to be so committed to the land or to a business that has been in their family for generations. We just can't separate or when we do need to separate, maybe it's not our calling or maybe things have happened, economic times um, or urban development that has pushed out and made our land too expensive to keep farming, or we can't buy enough land to modernize how we would like to. So you have all those pressures. Right. And when you have to exit farming, sometimes you feel the pain of letting down generations in your family. And so I can see how it it makes it so unique and it's so unique. We don't even know it because we're immersed into it from the time we're born. Right. Yeah. I mean, we've definitely seen that Um, in farmers that I've talked to that are currently farming, you know, are, are doing well and have supports and things like that in their lives. That's something that's mentioned as kind of that generational pressure of wanting to maintain the family's legacy and the land and having that really close connection to the land and wanting to be a caretaker not just of their families, not just of the land, but of of their community. And that is a lot of pressure, particularly when things don't go well. And, and, and oftentimes the things that are happening that are stressors are things that are out of their control, you know, weather-related issues, um, you know, commodity prices, things like that are largely out of one's control kind of at the individual level and can be highly unpredictable. So um, that's, you know, something that I think folks in other occupations don't necessarily have to worry about. Right. No, that's a really good point. So when you've looked at all the data, and I know you spend a lot of time looking at the data, what do we know about Wisconsin farmers? Do we have any data on suicide rates? Um, And then, of course, after you answer that, you and I will definitely get to that discussion about what can we do? Right. Because as farmers, we do like to fix things. And as you said, we do like to be involved in our community. And and COVID Mm -hmm. has shifted that 
a little bit, isolating us even a little bit more. So I'll, I'll look forward to hearing that, but I really want to understand like what data do we have and what's going on in Wisconsin with this issue and farmers? Yeah. Um, another really great question. So farmers in Wisconsin make up roughly 1% of the, of the labor workforce in the state of Wisconsin but they make up two to three percent of our suicides. So we're seeing an overrepresentation of farmers in our suicides, which again kind of mirrors what we're seeing nationally, with farmers having um, relatively higher suicide rates than other than folks in other occupations. And so we're seeing that national trend kind of reflected here in Wisconsin. And we do see among Wisconsin farmers kind of similar issues those psychosocial stressors that precede suicide than we do in other states and in fact in other countries. Again, when other risk factors are present, we know that, you know, not everybody that experiences stress related to to crop loss or um, having to sell the farm goes on to die by suicide. So it's thinking about those other risk factors that are occurring in their life at similar times. One of the things that I've noted in Wisconsin that I haven't necessarily seen in a lot of other literature is relationship issues as a source of stress that precedes suicide among Wisconsin farmers. And again, we know that farmers are not the only folks that experience relationship issues, but you know, I think there's something tied in with, you know, living in a rural setting and being relatively isolated from other people that social support is so important and when you're going through a divorce or the death of a spouse or, you know, some other type of relationship issue. Um, farmers may not have the connections that folks in other part of, parts of the state do. And I also think, you know, thinking back to kind of stigma around mental health issues and, and pride of, you know, wanting to be able to take care of oneself, there might be, you know, kind of a justified reluctance to reach out sometimes. We think of, you know, folks being kind of stoic and I'm going to deal with this. So those relationship issues become a little bit more of an issue, I think, in someone's life when when they're isolated and maybe a little bit less likely to seek help. Um, So that's something we've seen. And I've also just noted pretty significant financial stressors related to all sorts of things, whether that's, you know, um, a a bankruptcy or a foreclosure, you know, things like that um, being kind of that really acute stressor that precedes um, suicide death among Wisconsin farmers. That's really interesting. And when you talk about the relationships and some of the stories I've heard too on how important it is to have that relationship with other people. And let's just spend a couple minutes on the pandemic and how we might see changes with that. I've seen big changes in talking to people about mental health I see the stigma coming down just a little. The more we talk about it, you never know if you talk about it, how it might impact somebody else, right? So we just got to keep talking about it. But also COVID, really that pandemic separated us. Um, Fewer Mm -hmm. people coming out to our farms, Mm -hmm. salespeople, right? Now they, they call or they send an email. So technology has somewhat, broken down relationships because people aren't stopping on the farm anymore. Mm-hmm. I know talking to a farmer, the milk hauler, right? Do we all remember back in history, that great relationship with the milk hauler? You knew when he backed up the truck, he yeah. was going to be there for 30 to 45 minutes, 
pumping out the milk and he was going to be doing a few little things, but you knew exactly what time he was coming, typically Mm -hmm. how long he would be there. So it was a great time just to go have a conversation and talk to somebody. And now a lot of our farms have grown larger. So there may be like a direct ship with a tanker. The milk hauler pulls up, hooks on, drives away. Mm-hmm. Or I talked to a smaller farm, their milk caller was picking up at 1 a.m. So they're okay. not going to be out there. So we're we're losing and the pandemic has pushed us even further to lose that personal connection mm-hmm. or those people, right? When you're having a bad day or you just yeah. had a fight with your significant other or you just wanted someone to talk it out with mm-hmm. or just complain and you felt so much better and you don't have that anymore. Right. I agree. And, you know, that social support is protective against suicide. That's been shown over and over again in the literature. And so, you know, thinking about, um, you know, how we can better support, you know, not just farmers, but but everybody, we need that connection with other human beings. We need that sense of, you know, being cared for and being listened to. Um, it's so important for us. And, and in the context of suicide prevention, it really is protective. And so, you know, thinking about how we can kind of try to bring that back into our lives, because I agree. I mean, the pandemic has really been difficult in terms of isolation um, and exacerbating, I think, some isolation that was already maybe there. And so um, we, you know, it's a little bit too early to know exactly what the statistics are in terms of suicide during the pandemic. Um, that'll That's something that'll shake out in the next couple of years. But I think it's going to be interesting to to see what that looks like. Well, we spent a little time talking about some of the unique things in farming or the culture of farming. But are there other things? I know I found it really interesting when reading through some of the research that you've done and that you've uh, published that there are a few other things that make farming unique, but make them um, make it more prevalent in in our culture because of access to firearms. And we talked about some Mm -hmm. of the stressors. So could you spend a little bit of time about that and also alcohol? I mean, there there are a few things you guys have uncovered that I find really interesting that we need to be aware of and might also, when we're aware, because farmers are really observant people, Mm -hmm. right? We observe when our animals aren't feeling well. We observe the weather, the crops. That's our superpower, I like to say, as a farmer, right? It's our mm-hmm. superpower to be observant. We just need to know what we're looking for. What are some of the things that that we can be aware of that might make it easier or for a farmer who isn't feeling good about themselves or emotionally to maybe even consider suicide or have access to something that could lead to suicide? Yeah. Yeah, that's a great question. And I'm glad you mentioned the the piece around alcohol and firearms, because, um, you know, the farmers that I've talked to um, have mentioned to me, and I've, I've heard this over and over again, that firearms are a tool of the trade in many cases, like, we need to be um, have access to firearms in order to deal with pests. Um, and oftentimes, folks think of, of the need for firearms for protection. Um and I think that conversations around, you know, um, firearm access are really sometimes highly polarizing. But when we're thinking about um, access to firearms and alcohol in terms of kind of the the injury prevention, suicide prevention side, it's not about um, 
you know, all or nothing. It's about safety. How do we make the, our environment safer so that when somebody is in an acute mental health or suicide crisis, maybe they have a little bit of time before they're able to access that lethal mean in order to take an action to end their life. And so what I've seen um, actually in some of the data that I've looked at is, you know, um, a friend saying, hey, I know you've got a lot of stuff going on. Um, you know, do you want me to hang on to your to your guns for a couple of days until you're able to get some help? Um, or even somebody saying, recognizing an issue within themselves, maybe having some thoughts of suicide and reaching out to a friend and saying, would you mind just hanging on to my guns for a few days? Um, I think, you know, obviously locking and storing firearms securely um, when it's practical is really helpful, um, not just in terms of farmer suicide, but youth suicide as well. Um, and then we also know, I mean, alcohol plays such a big part in our culture in our state. And we know that alcohol can really um, disinhibit somebody and make them a little bit more impulsive and maybe prone to do things that they might not do um, if they weren't using alcohol. Um, and unfortunately, we're seeing this, you know, being a, a kind of a lethal combination, alcohol and firearms. So I think it's really important um, for, you know, farmers and really for all of us to, to just pay attention to, um, you know, those that we care for and look for, you know, changes in mood or behavior or even talk that are really kind of outside of the norm, Um and that's that's usually an opportunity or or a sign that something is going on. And I always tell people if if you have kind of a gut feeling about somebody, um, that's you know a pretty good indication that it's time to reach out. And the other thing is assuming that you're going to be the only one that does that. Um, what I often hear after somebody dies by suicide is, oh, I saw this issue and I saw this issue, but I didn't want to bring it up. But it was awkward or I was afraid. Um, we have to assume that when we see an issue with somebody that we care for um, and we're concerned about potential suicide risk, we have to assume that we're the only one that sees that and that we're the only one that's going to do anything about it. And then taking those steps to to reach out and, you know, ask directly what's going on in that person's life. Thank you for talking about that, because I know it's oh, not always easy to ask the tough questions, right? right. Like not, are you okay? Do you have something going on that you'd like to talk about? Would you like to meet me and talk mm -hmm. in private? Just trying to get them to have a conversation because often they will open up if given the opportunity. Mm -hmm. I know I've talked to people who have said it's the hardest part when you want to share what's going on and the person you share with says, oh, it'll get better. You know, let's go have a drink or yeah. just really cuts the conversation off when you try to open the door. Mm -hmm. And I think we've all probably been in situations like that in our lives. And you just kind of think you sit back and you feel bad, like, I can't believe they didn't want to listen or I wish they would have listened. Mm -hmm. So I really like you bringing that forward that it is really important to have those conversations. And when you do notice a sign, don't feel bad about asking because if right. not you, who, right. You might be the only person they see that day or even on the phone. I've had some opportunities just to talk to farmers 
And it's Mm -hmm. hard to ask that question. Are you thinking you might hurt yourself today? Or have you had these thoughts in the past? But it's so important to ask the question. And I've never been received poorly. Right. They either say no or yes, I have. And and then you just need to know what to do next. So Mm -hmm. what can we do or what are we doing in Wisconsin for suicide prevention or education? What are some things that your group is doing or or other organizations? Because I'd really like to understand or help people figure out you know, what are we doing in the state to prevent suicide? Yeah, that's a great question. So there are a number of organizations across the state that are working on suicide prevention, either generally or specifically related to farmers. Um, We have the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. The Wisconsin chapter does a lot of work around the state um, around um, kind of um, stigma reduction awareness raising, training, and then also around loss and healing for folks that have experienced a loss by suicide, you know, building the support system around those folks, uh, because we know that they are are at a higher risk of suicide themselves um, after experiencing um, the suicide of a loved one. Uh, Prevent Suicide Wisconsin, which is the state's um, suicide prevention coalition, has county level affiliates across the state that are doing wonderful work in the space of suicide prevention um, at, a, at a number of different levels, whether it's it's training and education or awareness raising, um, you know, things of that nature. Um, I've also been really encouraged um, to hear um, kind of, uh, I guess, non-traditional sectors getting involved in suicide prevention. Um, I know, Karen, you and I were just part of a um, an article from the Wisconsin Bankers Association that was raising awareness around um, issues related to suicide with bankers. And I think that's so important because we, we know that farmers, you know, may not have the time or access to go into a mental health clinic um, and see a provider about a mental health issue. So it's really about activating these other kind of peer supports and communities, whether it's bankers, seed distributors, co-op owners, large animal veterinarians that are, you know, just a little bit more attuned to what um, potential warning signs for suicide look like, and then being able to ask a question and then know what to do if if there is a crisis or or potential suicidal thoughts happening. So I, I am encouraged by what I'm seeing in kind of these creative solutions. And I think you're right. I think stigma while it's still there, is becoming a little bit less of an issue than it was. I think there's a little bit more willingness to talk about these issues, which is wonderful. Um, So I think we need to keep that momentum going, keep, you know, engaging folks, having these important conversations, having, you know, things like like we're doing right now, just kind of getting this out into the world and talking about it is going to help quite a bit. That's great. And I know like you said, there are so many new things going on. There's so many grassroots efforts. What I have found really helpful is some of the training that is coming out and being made really accessible. Because like you and I talked about in our discussion, right? You might be the only person that comes into contact with someone that day and you need to know what to do to feel comfortable to ask the question. So a few trainings I wanted to point out Uh, One that's called QPR, question, persuade, refer. It's only an hour and a half training. It can be done virtually. 
um, or it can be in person. If you just Google QPR training, I know AgriSafe is an organization out there that offers it definitely a rural focus for that. And it's a really good training. It really helped me just become more comfortable with the question and then persuading them to talk and referring them to get some help. And so we're not going to be the ones that are going to be there to counsel them or things like that. That's for the professionals. But just knowing I could question and, and persuade someone and help guide them. And that training was really important. Another training in Wisconsin that I'm really excited about is the Comet training, which is offered by the University of Wisconsin Extension. It's changing our mental and emotional trajectory. So it's a two-hour training, and it's an observation um, program. It teaches you to utilize, like I said, that superpower that farmers have to know when someone in their life is struggling. And so again, it's two hours of our time. Look when those trainings are available. Take one of those. Just make yourself more comfortable to know when you're put in that situation. And as you pointed out by the statistics, um, in agriculture, we're going to be more likely to come across someone who is struggling emotionally due to a heavy, heavy burden of stress or loss or grief. So it's really important. And then there's even another one that kind of takes it an another step further, and that's mental health first aid. That one's an eight-hour course, and it's really skill-based, really developing your skills to make sure you're noticing mental health and substance abuse issues. All of those trainings are amazing, and I encourage anyone, they're so accessible right now, especially in our virtual world, uh, that we can get those trainings and really be observant and help people in our communities Farmers love to fix things, and it is an awesome trait that we have that we need to celebrate, and we need to connect and really observe what's going on with the people in our lives or in our community. And I always have been talking about, let's try to rebuild those communities a little bit. Mm -hmm. We now have vaccines out there and things, so why can't we bring back the card groups, bring back the rainy days at the coffee shop? I know a lot of our coffee shops closed or changed owners, but let's go back and support those small businesses. Farmers are awesome at supporting local business. Get back out there on the rainy day, go to the coffee shop, just talk to people and reconnect and get yourself involved. Know who those people are in your community that you should just stop by and see how they're doing because that may change their day and they may pass that along to somebody else. So Absolutely. I really, really appreciate your time today and sharing the things what you know. I don't know if you have anything you'd like to end with or something you'd like to share. What's that one takeaway you want uh, for our audience today? Yeah, that's, um, I, I guess what I would say is um, just to keep in mind that suicide can be prevented. Um, sometimes people think that, oh, if, you know, it's in somebody's mind, there's nothing we can do. And, and then that's just not true that if we, you know, arm ourselves with this information, if we're willing to have conversations, if we're willing to be, um, noticing these things and really, you know, willing to kind of extend care to our neighbors and our loved ones and our friends, we can, there's hope here. Um, we can prevent this and, and we will. 
That's great. Well, I really appreciate you sharing all your information and knowledge with us. I appreciate you putting your energies and your expertise into this topic for the state of Wisconsin and especially for the Wisconsin farmers. If you know a farmer or are a farmer with suicidal thoughts, there are resources. The recently launched Nationwide 988. How exciting is that? Finally, right? We've had 911. Yes. <laughs> now there's 988. Can connect someone with suicidal thoughts to immediate help. Also, the Wisconsin Farm Center's Farmer Wellness Helpline at 1-888-901-2558 is answered 24-7 and can provide someone in the moment to just talk, to just help alleviate some of that stress that you're going through. And it can also then connect you into our other programs, whether you want to seek out some in-person counseling, maybe it's some telecounseling, or maybe it's one of our online groups. There are so many options. Farming is unique. Farmers are unique. So we've made programs with a lot of options that can just help when you need to talk to someone. So I encourage you to share those numbers, share that 988 also go out, take advantage of some of these trainings and just you listening today and knowing a little bit more about this topic will be helpful in helping prevent. Like Sarah said, this is preventable. And so let's all work together, get to know our neighbors, get to observe each other and just lend a hand who someone who's having a tough emotional time. So thank you very much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And thanks, like I said, for bringing attention to this topic. The Wisconsin Farm Center with the Department of Agriculture, Trade and Consumer Protection provides a variety of services to farmers and farm families across Wisconsin, including financial consulting, transition planning, conflict mediation, veterinary diagnostic analysis, a farmer wellness program, and more. For additional info, you can call the Wisconsin Farm Center toll-free at 1-800-942-2474 or email them farmcenter at wisconsin.gov. Also, the website address is datcp.wi.gov. Also, if you're experiencing depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts, or just need a welcoming ear to talk to, call the free and confidential 24-7 Wisconsin Farmer Wellness Helpline at 888 to talk with a stress counselor anytime. Until next time, thank you for listening to the Rural Realities Podcast.